Hello and welcome to another episode of the Broadband Bunch. Uh, I'm Joe Coldwell and we are in Houston, Texas at the Broadband Community Summit coming to you from the Harrison Edwards Summit Studio. Joining me is the president and CEO of Tribal Ready, Joe Valandera. Joe, welcome to the Broadband Bunch. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Thanks. You know, it's it's uh, it's great to have you here as well. Um, you know, we've got a, a lot of money coming into the space and, and I know the bead money is, is uh, a main topic. But before we sort of touch on that subject, I would love it if you could just give our listeners a little bit um, in terms of a story about yourself as well as uh, Tribal Ready. I'd be happy to. In fact, uh, I think it's important that people know who I am. So uh, I'm originally from South Dakota. I'm a member of the Rosebud Sioux Tribe or a citizen of the Rosebud Sioux Tribe. I uh, was uh, born and raised in South Dakota, went to undergraduate college in South Dakota, went to Minnesota Law School, University of Minnesota Law School, and have really been in business most of my career. But most for the last 40 years, my focus has been tribes, uh, economic development, trying to better life on on the reservation or just for tribal people in general. And, you know, broadband uh, in the modern society is a tool that you have to have access to for healthcare, education, uh, entrepreneurial opportunities, business opportunities, and just communication in general. I mean, just doing the fact that we're doing this podcast you know, validates that uh, being online is important. Otherwise, they won't hear the podcast. So I, I, I think that's a that's a, you know sums up in a in a in a little bit about me and my life. I live in Washington D.C. I have for about 20 years. Uh, my wife and I live there. Our, our kids are grown and, and gone. Um, uh, we enjoy lots of things about being in D.C. Uh, and uh, we're happy to be there. Uh, our families are all over the all over the place. Most of my family is still in South Dakota okay. uh, on the Rosebud Indian Reservation, but not all. There's there's Rolanders in lots of different places, but by far the largest concentration is still there. Now, how we got to Tribal Ready? You know, I, I first began working on Tribal Broadband back, uh, the American Reinvestment Act in I think 2009 was passed when the economy was uh, because I, you know, it was. I think people think of Lehman Brothers and those kinds of things sure, that sure. happened then. So the, a big investment was made in the economy. Some of it was earmarked for uh, for broadband. And the the situation in Indian Indian country, which I know we'll touch on later, was about the same then as it is today. Maybe it's slightly better today, but only slightly. Okay. So I formed a business uh, and uh, with a with a couple of partners, and we partnered with five tribes across the country and put in application to build five high-speed broadband projects. Very similar to what tribal country is doing today in that, you know, trying to get grant money to help build out what isn't there. Unfortunately, uh, none of the projects got funded. We're really, really, really not sure why. Honestly, never really got a lot of feedback from, uh, from the administration as to why. Uh, I testified before Congress asking why. I still never really got any answer. But that sparked the my deep interest in uh, helping to try to bring high-speed broadband to Indian country. And I've been persistent all along. But it's, um, it's one of those things where without investable capital, uh, it's very difficult. Or without... Uh, some mechanism that gets capital to the project that is can be accounted for in a way that helps uh, facilitate sustainability. I know that's a lot of words in one sentence, but you know that 
makes it so it can it can survive long term financially. It's very difficult. Well, the opportunity is now. Uh, there's because of one of the positive few positive things to come out of COVID is the a, a, you know, stark realization that the world needs to be connected in order for us to have better health care and all the other things I've already mentioned. And that's certainly true for Indian country because the conditions are not any better today than they were in 2009 or probably than they were in 1969 in some cases. Just, and I say that not to shock people or just try to be uh, hyperbolic. The fact of the matter is tri tribal reserv Indian reservations still tend to be the most impoverished locations in the country with the lowest amount of resources and with the lowest amount of ho hope. That hasn't changed, unfortunately, very much. It's changed some, um, but not so much you, you'd notice unless you live there. Right. You know. So, uh, um, you know, obviously, there, there are, are tribes all across the United States. You know, you've got Navajo and Hopi in Arizona, in the north, the northwest, the northeast. Is it all? Is it sort of the same in in all areas? Is or is it one of those things where, in terms of population density, it's it's a more positive? I would love if you could sort of unpack that for me. Um, no, the situation tends to be as um, uh, tends to be pretty uniform. Really? Now, yeah, in some circumstances, and this is a good thing. You know, some tribes have been very successful with their other economic development, namely gaming. Sure. So they've been able to improve the lives of their people and the circumstances in which they live. So that's been good. But that uh, is the exception, not the rule. Of the 574 recognized tribes, uh, 229 of them are, are in Alaska. So the other, the remaining that are in the U.S., only um, 200, at last count, um, not every tribe had a casino, I guess I'll, I'll just say it that way so I don't get the numbers wrong. And even those that do, let's use my tribe as an example in Rosebud. We have a casino. It's near the Nebraska border, near the largest community that's anywhere near that area. Uh, what that casino really does, uh, it makes some money, of course, that, that it's able to distribute back to the community. But it provides jobs, jobs at the, at the casino, jobs for the businesses that supply the casino, it's most it's most valuable for the jobs that it creates, not so much for the profits that it generates. But that was, you know, one of the intentions of the economic development behind tribal casinos anyway. So that's true, whether it's my little casino in, in, uh, in north of Valentine, Nebraska, or if it's one of the larger casinos, in, you know, in, on the East Coast or in the middle of the country, Oklahoma, wherever they, that they might be. They produce more jobs, more economic benefit than the profits generally that they make from, from gaming. And that's the value of them both to the tribe and to the surrounding community. So having said that, you know, talked to got kind of got diverted into. into but there's got to be gaming. more essentially. You're, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when you're even again, we go back to my tribe. We're in the we're in South Central South Dakota, you know, hundreds of square miles that are part of the reservation. And there's really not much there. Uh, roads, uh, there's a IHS hospital. The tribe has some businesses. Of course, there's grocery stores and uh, governmental facilities and those kinds of things. But there's not as much economic development as the community could support. And again, that's true uh, all across the country. Uh, again, when a tribe tends to be closer to a metropolitan or, or heavily 
a more heavily populated area that they either are surrounded by or they're on the fringe of, you know, the economic opportunities are different there, of course. But again, most of the tribes in the west of the Mississippi, unless they happen to be close to an a, 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 a metropolitan area, uh, live in a, live a pretty uh, uh, impoverished life. Wow, so uh, that's a that's a lot there, and and so uh, I know that you hosted a talk here as well. I was wondering if you could sort of expand on that in terms of what you guys talked about, because it sounds like, um, you know, with the three billion dollars um, specifically earmarked for tribal communities, it, it it's it doesn't seem like it's enough. Well, it's not. In fact, that was really the ultimate message yesterday for the panel that we hosted. But what we really attempted to do. Uh, because we realized uh, the four, myself and the other three panelists are all uh, all native people. For, one from Alaska, one from upstate New York, one from one from Northern California, and myself from 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 the middle of the country. That we realized we were going to be talking to a group that didn't know a lot about tribes. Sure. So we did our best to try to give some background about what tribal sovereignty is all about. And it's not just a word. It's it derives from the the treaties that the U.S. government signed with tribes, and and the uh, the provision in the U.S. Constitution that sets tribes out as as someone that the government has to deal with, um, government to government, uh, and some other basic principles. I'm not going to go through them here again, but they were meant to sort of, as I I described to the to the to the crowd, sort of a level set. So that when we start talking and we're using terms and that we're very familiar with because we live those those terms every day, that at least the group that was in the room had a starting place that made made sense for them. So we we did that first, and then we talked about specific areas, you know, about uh, the funding that's available and the problems that tribes are having access will are having to to access that. Not so much with the three billion dollars, although. You know, there have been issues there. There always are. But the, the message on the money was that the $3 billion is the floor. It's the starting okay. point because the $42.5 billion that's coming out in bead to the states, the tribes are also eligible and probably the most eligible for those funds, depending on the state, to supplement or in some cases be the sole source because not every tribe has, has been awarded something from uh, from from the three billion dollars, uh, but regardless if they have or not, they're still available. They're still eligible to apply for B grants through the state that they happen to be in. So that forty two point five forty two billion dollars is a lot of money. It's the most that's ever been allocated for this kind of pro for these kinds of projects, and it's specifically targeted to unserved areas or arguably unserved areas, depending on how you want to define that. That's almost always a tribal a, a, a tribal reservation within the state, almost always, and it kind of comes back to what you asked when we were talking before about about availability of broadband economic development. You know, tri tribal lands have tended to be overlooked, although there are incumbent providers. You know, the the and on Rose, I'll just keep coming back to Rosebud because please I, do yeah because I, I'm most familiar with that. Well, that's good. um. Uh, and it's most personal to me. You know, there's an incumbent provider there. I'm not going to name names. You know, they, over the years, they've received millions of dollars of grants from various programs or have been eligible for to upgrade service on the reservation and for all of their customers. Right, right. The and frankly, the reservation has seen very little of that money in terms of true upgrade. I mean, to this day, 
today. Uh, there are houses I know of that have still have dial-up speeds coming wow. across copper wires, which means they can't, they can't, uh, they, they won't be able to listen to this, to this podcast, at least not maybe on their phone if they go into town they, okay, they can listen to right. it but in order you know if they were going to try to do a facetime meeting or any kind of video conference you know forget about that if they're trying to download or upload any kind of significant uh, uh, um, uh, document that's not going to happen so it limits the opportunity just in that small area for doing working from home or you know starting a business from home i mean you just don't have the bandwidth to to build a website if you can't even upload a document that you know, that's larger than you know uh, two pages, so well, so just to, uh, just to, for my own edification, in terms of s speeds themselves, do they even meet the the minimum thresholds? Oh no, of course not. No, they are they are truly dial up. You know, when you're maybe you're old enough, I am. We're used to dial, and you'd hear that sound. Sure. And you'd put it in a coupler, or the modem you had sitting on your desk would connect using that sound. It's it's that speed. You know, uh, it's it's measured in baud's per second. You know, it's that it's that slow. So um, then, I guess my follow up question would be. Um, in terms of the technologies that the, the 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 tribes are looking at, is it one of those things where, is it uh, are since it's a you know in rural outlying areas, is is it um, wisps or are is it or uh, fiber or is it uh, you know even leos are these things that um, are under consideration or because the bead has specific um, guidelines that those ex, um, some things are, are are off the table. Well, the, the, they are under the the terms of the of the NOFO off the table. That's true. But but tribes realistically have to look at all options because in some of the again rosebud, some of the distances are so long. Yep. And the cost per mile to pull fiber is prohibitive. But yet the need is still there. So you know when we're advising tribes, uh, fiber is the first thing that we look at because that's. That's, I guess, still the gold standard. Right. So you pull fiber every place that you can afford to. Not every place you can, every place you afford to, you can afford sure. to. Sure. And still have money left in the budget to provide for fixed wireless or other other devices or other way, other mediums that can get you the speeds that are required. And fixed wireless is, uh, the audience probably knows or should know, you know, it's gotten better and better and better. And as long as it has the right a connection to the to, to backhaul and has the right radio frequency, et cetera, you can get some pretty good speeds out of out of fixed wireless. And so we, when we're advising tribes, we advise them to look at all options because there's really no other way to meet some of the goals of of the community, which is to cover as many people as absolutely possible. Hopefully, everyone, but it may be a several steps before actually everyone is covered with some sort of reasonable you know speed because i did go on your your website and it was i quickly just went through one of the areas and um you had uh, an areas with with maps and yeah. I, I i clicked on a few and to be perfectly honest i was shocked at, at um how little coverage there is out there. I was wondering if you could sort of just share with us, the, you know, the reasoning behind that in terms of putting that on your site, and then what tribes can do to sort of, you know, reach out to you and understand how you can help them. Yes. Well, it, it is shocking. It, it, it truly is shocking. We put that on the website because we wanted tribes to understand two things: that that data is out there, 
It's not as specific as it should be, and it's not as complete as it should be. Uh, and that means what's that? That's manifested itself in the FCC fabric that has either, and I, I'm not overgeneralizing here, unfortunately, has either uh, relied completely on the incumbent provider, which says that everything, every place they are is covered, which we know from the maps is not true. Right. Or uh, is just Probably from the customers yeah. as well, right? Absolutely. Or is just left a hole. There are literally holes in the FCC map where this looks like there's nobody there. But we know that there's people there. We know that that's, those holes are generally where tribal lands are, where tribal people live. So it's, you know, the, the fabric, the problems with the fabric have inspired us to, uh, to, to put together and promote and sponsor to tribes uh, a, a speed test along with uh, some other data gathering so that we can fill those gaps. It's not just a single speed test. If you click on, you go to our site and click on it, we run three speed, speed tests at the same time. And we encourage the user to take the, the test multiple times so that we can statistically validate as best we can the data that's, that's coming to us from there. Uh, and we also have an option, you know, if you don't have coverage, how are you going to get that data in? So we have a phone number. A lot of people have phones, and they can call us and say, I live at XYZ, and I'm non-covered, and that'll be added to the database. Will that be also part of the challenging uh, portion of for the maps as well? Well, to be perfectly honest, we've sort of given up on the FCC for now. Okay. Because time is short, and NTI's allocations are coming probably almost set by now, but we're uh, encouraging tribes to, to uh, have their members, have their citizens take uh, the test, gather the data, and then we're, an important point, we're gathering this data on behalf of the tribes, so they own the data, and they will they will ultimately decide how they use it. Most are, most are going to decide to use it in some sort of either challenge process uh, or advocacy I think right now we're at the advocacy stage with the NTIA is like, we've got data. You can't ignore our data, along with all the other things that we've already talked about, the poverty and the and the uh, lack of attention uh, from incumbent providers in Indian country, et cetera, et cetera, to try to influence a little bit so that the allocations to the tribes, that, to the states that have high high numbers of tribal members in them reflects that that the allocations are fair or more fair based on that but without the data because if if for some reason nti only uses the fabric there'll be some states where there's large concentrations of tribes that will be under allocated because there's such a large number of unserved people there but they're not represented on the fabric and then the scary thing is we come full circle to where we were in 2009 where it was like uh, there was this good intentions and then that came to naught that's right. And so we're doing our best to avoid that. That's why we have, have the speed test on our website. We're offering it for free. As I say, we're gathering the data on behalf of the tribes so that they can decide how to use it. And the final use, and I think this is going to be the most productive in this relatively short time frame, is to go to the state broadband offices. NTI has given states a lot of latitude in how they put together their own maps. So if tribes... When tribes come to the state broadband office with verifiable data and all the other information that's required, I think they can have a big impact on the state's subgrant award program and allocations, as they should. 
because again, they should because they're unserved and they can demonstrate that they're unserved. So state broadband offices will have the benefit that we wish the NTI would have of, of including tribal data on their maps and making allocations that make sense to cover, help cover the people that are most uncovered, that are most unserved. I, you know, it's one of those things where I, 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 you know, as we sort of go through this process that I'm so happy that, that we have the broadband offices. Obviously, you know, some are, are farther along than others, but to your point, exactly. It's like they, there's someone that they can directly reach out to that can understand the problems of, of the tribes. And then hopefully from that, there'll be an allocation either through money specifically earmarked for tribes or from the, the, the larger fund. Absolutely. And, and either way, it will benefit the tribes, you know, and we, uh, well, all we're trying to do is provide the opportunity to gather the data that furthers the policy behind BEAD, which is to get as many people that are unserved served as possible. And if that, if for our purposes, if that's tribal people, that's certainly what we're trying to do. But the communities that are around many tribes are, are not exclusively made up of, 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 of native people. So the community in general benefits from this kind of advocacy, from this kind of data gathering. So, you know, we see ourselves as a, as a tool for tribes to better their overall communities. And we're hoping that, that uh, we'll get a, we'll gather a lot of data and have a big impact on that. That's awesome. And if we could just sort of go on a little bit of a tangent, there's the, um, the, the, uh, the program for the uh, ACP. Yes. Is that something that's um, incredibly important for the tribal areas as well? Absolutely. It's important for two reasons. First, just affordability. So if there, when there is high-speed broadband, I'll be optimistic here, okay. you know, that it's affordable. Uh, that's going to be a key thing. And so ACP helps with the affordability, but it does something else even probably more important in the long run. It helps provide a, a stable financial base for these new networks that need to be sustainable. And if you know, without the, the, the subsidy in many areas, it will be very hard to, to put together a pro forma that shows sustainability. And our goal with every new network that's built, especially tribal networks, is that they're not just built for the next year or the next three years, they're built forever. You know, we look like, we look at this as an Indian country, along with the federal government and others is making an investment for, as we like to say in Indian country, for the set, next seven generations. I like that. So that, you know, this is going to benefit my grandchildren's grandchildren if we do it right. And that's that's a perspective that Travel Ready is bringing to this. And as I know it's a perspective that all of Indian country shares. It's just never been available quite to the scale before. So, you know, part of our job besides gathering the data is, it, is making sure the tribes get good, honest, straightforward advice on what kind of service they need what kind of, uh, uh, you know, how to design the system, how to operate the system. That, that's part of our, our job. That's part of what Travel Ready also does. So, Joe, um, just in regards to the ACP program, yep. one of the questions that I have is in regards to digital literacy. Mm -hmm. is, is now, is that, a, is that a, a real issue with it as well? Because... You know, it's one of the things that I, I think that a lot of the rural areas and, and some of the urban areas as well, I think that's where there's a there's a lag. And I was wondering, you know, how are some of the tribals communities sort of trying to address that? Well, there's a, a pretty robust um, 
network working on digital equity, <clears throat> which is part of what you're what you're talking about, is making sure that uh, with again optimistically with the new broadband networks that are to be built, so there's more access, uh, and that people will be given or have a opportunity to have access through. Uh, their phone, through computers, through tablets, through other things that they really know what they're getting into. And it's hard to conceive for some of us that there are people that have never been connected to the internet before. They understand it. They understand that there's this this connection and they've seen others with it and probably experienced it, but they've never personally had it at their home or someplace where they are more often than not. And so they um, they need guidance on how to use the equipment how to protect themselves from uh, from thieves and you know a cyber attacks, cyber security, uh, and there there is a there's a within Indian country uh, there's a uh, I think I used the word robust before and I I'll continue a group that's really working on that and uh, and and you know we're optimistic that they'll by the time the networks are built that they will have had the impact that they should but it certainly is a concern in that. <clears throat> We don't want new people, especially uh, people who might just be home all the time, like the elderly and some of the young folks, uh, to be taken advantage of as soon as they get online. Because that's not really what we're trying to. That's not what we're trying to promote here. We're trying to promote all the benefits of the internet. It's funny. I was at a <clears throat> meeting of the uh, American Indian Chamber of Commerce of Arizona last Friday, and the topic was uh, cybersecurity. And the two speakers before me. You know, just scared the hell out of everybody. I can you know, imagine. You know, even even got to me a little bit. So I thought, you know, I'm gonna. I wrote down something. I got up and I said, the first thing I have to tell you is the internet is good. You know, right? Exactly. <laughs> that yeah. it's not, it's not a bad thing in and of itself. You have to do the things to protect yourself and be aware. But the internet is good because it provides all these other other things. But I thought, you know, that's a real telling thing. Is is if you scare people too much, you're not going to get. They're not going to. They're going to be reluctant to use a tool that will really enhance their lives if they use it properly. So, I, I guess the long and short, the point of bringing all that up, is that it's something that we have to be vigilant of. I think there are people that are working hard to make sure that adoption and digital security and just digital equity overall are are part of what's built into these systems. Yeah, because the sort of the reason why I, I bring it up is because we've sort of have this 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 group of folks that have been left behind. Yeah. And I think that the and it, it, you know it's like I'm thinking like how can we solve that? And, and is it one of those things where ha, have they missed the step? Because when I when I first uh learned uh the internet, I went to an internet cafe. And it was one of those things where I did it with a group of people that you could lean on. And I know that in terms of now, it's like, all right, we can get it to your house. But I think it almost seems like in terms of the, the folks that are, 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 are lagging behind, they've missed that step. Well, they have. But I think, uh, you know, the, the effective strategies that I've seen uh, and that uh, will be built into most networks is there are anchor institutions or community centers Great. where they'll be able to go and you know, be with a group, experience the uh, 
the internet, you know, through that group setting, but also uh, be instructed in a group setting so they know that there's more than themselves to, have to, to, uh, to lean on. Now, not everybody will do that, but they're certainly going to be encouraged to do that because that's really the best way to get confidence and to learn. And, you know, just that whether it's the internet or anything, it's good to have a support group. And so that's part of the part of most plans is that there'll be a, a community-based way to address that. I know just from what you just said in terms of, you know, you have the folks come on and talk about the cybersecurity and just scares it. And people are like, get me away from that. So if you, if you sort of ease them into it and say, hey, listen, come along with us. Yeah, that's I think that's vitally, vitally important. Yes, it is, because this is a tool. It's a tool for better education, better health, better health care, better communication within the community and in entrepreneurial opportunities. And I can you know, say from my own experience, the Internet has facilitated several businesses that I've either been part of or started myself without which. I couldn't have done if if the internet wasn't if wasn't as robust as it is where I live. Yeah, so that's, oh, that's great. So I'm actually just looking on your site right now, and then there's you've got a little se- section there. It says, "Take the test." Yes. So what exactly does that mean? Well, if you click on the "Take the Test" button, it'll take you to a uh, to another landing page that then. Uh, you start taking the test, but it also then takes you through a survey. It asks you questions so we can better uh, correlate and um, do a lot of statistical stuff uh, w- w- with the test. Then you'll see that the test is made up of, of, of three different tests running at the same time. UCLA is one of them, and I should remember the other two, but it's three at the same time. So we're not just relying on one, uh, and it will tell you whether you're served or unserved. It will give you a lot of information, but it's also then stored in a database. And based on your location and other input that you give, it's uh, for tribal purposes, it'll be stored under whatever tribe that, that you happen to be a citizen of or that you're located within the within the tribal boundaries. Once again, it comes down to data because that's one of those things where you've got to have that that evidence-based material to, to, to back up your case. Yeah, I make that point with tribal groups all the time when I talk to them is, we have to have the data. This is, this is. Uh, there's lots of anecdotal things that we can say, and we should, but we're going to make the most impact. We're going to make the most difference when we gather this data, correlate it, and collate it properly, and present it properly. We'll have the most impact because this, as you said, this is a data-driven process, uh, and that's good. So long as you have the data. So we're trying to make sure that the tribes have the data. That's that's great. I 100% agree. You need to have the stories, you know, the, the economic, um, you know, positives. You need to have the telehealth stories. You have to have the, the work from home stories, all these stories. And then converse to that, you have to also have the data to back it up. Absolutely. And that's what we're really uh, focused on right now at Tribal Ready. Although we're doing, we're, we're doing lots of planning work for, for tribes. We're doing, uh, we just purchased our first ISP. Our ISP, our strategy with ISPs is to use the ISPs that we purchased to be partners with tribes. We want tribes to ultimately, if they choose, to be their own ISP. But the best way that we can figure out to help them is to be their partner, give them all the experience and background and things they need, and then whatever the right time frame is, we'll step away. But they'll be the, but they'll have their own ISP. That's great because then ultimately it becomes about about the community. Absolutely, yeah. So just to, you know real quickly, is that one of the things where where 
where when tribes hear that, do they do they do they perk up and say, "Wow, that's something we'd like to do," or is it one of those things where it's it's one of those things you have to sort of introduce to the folks because it is definitely daunting. Yeah, there isn't one answer to that. It really depends okay. on the tribe. There, are, there have been a several several that have just gun ho. They understand they mostly understand what they're getting into, and they they know they need the help, and they've never had uh, previous to this a, a tribally owned company offering that to them you know that really shares their value shares their outlook so that's made a difference now the tribes that are that so that we've talked to that have been reluctant they've only been reluctant because they don't know what they don't know and so it's a process for us to help them learn what they need to know uh you know maybe take a little larger role in some of the projects but our goal all with every project we work on is to make ourselves obsolete Let's make sure that we have conveyed the, the information, the experience, whatever other knowledge we can, so that the tribe of the community can take on this and, and make it their own. Joe, this has been an awesome visit. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add in terms of, you know, the areas? Um, no, I think we've covered the, the important stuff right now. I'd love to come back and a few months and kind of update you if that's possible. But uh, but otherwise, uh, I really appreciate the time to, to tell the story, to uh, let Indian country through another medium know that there's somebody out here trying to help them. I mean, really help them with, with data and everything else. So, uh, no, I think this has been great. Thank you very much. Uh, no, uh, most definitely. We'll, we'll definitely have you um, back 100%. Um, if tribes or other folks want to learn more about you and your organization, where can they go? Well, they should go to our website if they can, uh, www.tribalready.com. Uh, that'll give that'll get you to the landing page to start the speed test. Uh, I will tell you this: we're about to launch a new a new web page that'll be a little more friendly than this one, although this one isn't too bad. But it's the same web address again: it's tribalready.com, and uh, there's a way to contact us through that. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you with questions. Sometimes. Many times we have the answer. If we don't, we'll find it out. Uh, Joe, you know, I, I want to say uh, on behalf of the, the whole entire broadband community, thank you for what you're doing. It's one of those things where, you know, people sort of forget that, you know, you got to have that champion behind the scenes and you're one of those people. And just want to say thank you for, for all you do. Well, thank you. I, 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 I deeply appreciate that. Awesome. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Broadband Bunch. Until next time, we'll see you guys later.